0: In Luke's account of the disciples meeting Jesus on the road to Emmaus, he says, As they talked and discussed with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. And when he was at table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? and open the scriptures to us? Am I the only one who finds those elements in Luke's story of the road to Emmaus a bit unsettling and dissatisfying? For those two disciples, what happened was enough to convince them that Jesus really was alive, Jesus had risen from the dead. But it leaves me with a lot of unanswered questions. I mean, David, you feel that you can understand why they didn't recognise him, because they weren't expected to see him alive, I'd have thought, actually, you know, if they'd spent time with him, surely they would have known who he was. But that's, that's my own feeling. But then, you know, suddenly he breaks bread, and, and perhaps it's the familiar words or not, but, but yeah, then they see him, and then as soon as their eyes are open, poof, he's gone. He disappears. There's a fleeting moment of recognition, and then, instantaneously, he vanishes. How unsatisfactory is that? Was it really Jesus? If it was really Jesus, how come they didn't know him? Was he really there? What happened? If you've been been raised on a TV diet of Jonathan Creek and Darren Brown, you'll be left feeling that Jesus engineered some kind of clever trick with smokes and mirrors. There must be a rational explanation somewhere. And our problem is that in the real world, this kind of stuff just doesn't happen. If we know someone we can recognise them, unless they've had some kind of extreme makeover. And I'm not sure that comes as part of being resurrected from the dead, but it might be. And we know that real people, flesh and blood people, aren't there one second and, and gone the next. So we might be left wondering, how real, actually, was the experience of these two disciples? Did this thing really happen or not? Is Luke just spinning a good story for our benefit? Or is the account the product of the overactive imagination of a group of impressionable disciples who were anxious to find evidence to convince each other that Jesus really was alive? Are we in the realm of reality or fantasy here? Chuck Palahniuk, author of the book Fight Club, says that the unreal is more powerful than the real because it's intangible ideas, concepts, beliefs, fantasies that last Stone crumbles, wood rots, people well, they die. But things as fragile as a thought, a dream, a legend they can go on and on. If you can change the way people think, the way they see themselves, the way they see the world, you can change the way people live their lives. That's the only lasting thing you can create. Well maybe there's something intangible about the risen Jesus, though he did tell Thomas to put his finger in his hand and his hand in his side. But if he isn't real, however powerful the belief or fantasy or legend might be, for me it just doesn't cut it. I need a real basis for my faith. The resurrection needs to be real. But does Luke give me the firm foundation I'm looking for here? Of course, within Luke's worldview, the idea that Jesus might not be immediately recognisable, and that he could suddenly appear and disappear at will, might enhance his status in the eyes of people reading Luke in that culture. They might be led to think, wow, Jesus really is the Son of God, if he could put a stunt like that. But within our rationalistic worldview... Where we look for a logical explanation of everything, it's not a conclusion to which we automatically leap, sorry. But maybe Luke's point is that it is precisely this kind of thing that defies rational explanation. After all, how do you explain the resurrection? Dead people don't just come back to life again and walk out of a tomb. And thinking about it, it's also true of the beginning of Jesus' life, since we know that virgins don't have babies. And actually, the the whole idea of God is something that is beyond our understanding. And prayer, how do you explain that rationally? And yet, I guess we do it, if we're Christians. We believe that it works. So could the problem be that this whole realm of the numinous, of, of God stuff is actually something that we can't define and classify and make sense of from a purely rational point of view? Does the root of my problems with Luke's story actually lie with the limitations of my perception of reality? Is my mind, my thinking process, my rationality, big enough to encompass everything that exists? Or are there things that are beyond the limits of my rational understanding? And if we're rational beings, which which surely we are, is part of our rationality realising that actually there are things that we can't explain? And what do we do with those? There's a school of philosophy called critical realism. And these guys argue that to conceive of reality purely in terms of what we can perceive with our senses or understand from a logical scientific point of view is to make a serious mistake. They give it the technical term, the epistemic fallacy. There you are, I can impress you with that. It's to say that reality must correspond with what I know about reality, using my five senses and my logical, scientific understanding of how things work. If I can't see it, and I can't understand it, it can't be real. Well, that's not true, actually. And they call it critical realism, because we don't naively accept everything that our senses tell us is out there. We question it and we challenge it. We don't accept either that our perception of how the world works is the be-all and end-all of everything, and everything has to conform to our pre-understanding. There's a dialogue between the reality which is out there and our understanding, and the two inform each other. And the more that happens, the more we come to a clear understanding of the reality that really exists, that previously is beyond the limits of our comprehension. Some of them say there are three domains or dimensions to what is real. There is the empirical stuff. This is the ordinary, everyday stuff that we experience and observe all the time. We all know it, we all understand it, we all accept it. Then there's another layer. And they call that the actual layer. This is what happens. These are events that take place. Some of them we know and perceive and understand and can analyse them. Some of them are beyond our knowledge and comprehension. But though we are aware of them, they still take place. And then beyond that layer is what they say is the realm of the real. And the real is what makes everything else happen. The real is what causes... Those events. It's been described as the realm of the generative powers and mechanisms that are the enduring properties and structures of objects, which isn't particularly helpful. But the point is that the real is what is really there, beyond the limits of our perception, beyond the capacity of our understanding. And as Christians, we might want to say that ultimate reality is God. Our minds and our understanding can make sense of and construct a predictable understanding of reality on the basis of all the data which our senses receive and our understanding of the logical principles of cause and effect. But to say that what is real must be limited to my understanding of how the world works is actually quite arrogant. It's arrogant to go around saying, if I don't understand it, I don't accept it. If something doesn't correspond to my understanding, then it can't be real. And what we need to do if we encounter things that we don't understand is not to dismiss them as unreal because we find them incredible, but rather to be open to looking for the possible causes of these events in the ultimate realm of reality. And if the truth really is out there somewhere, beyond the limits of our mind, then we will get closer to it by keeping an open mind. A closed mind will read what Luke says on the Emmaus Road and think, well, that's rubbish. It can't be true because we know that kind of stuff just doesn't happen, and we dismiss it. And when we say that, we we try and contain reality and bottle it up within the limits of our own experience. But an open mind will approach and walk round something and consider it and say, well, my understanding is this, but there's that out there. I don't quite know how to connect what I understand with what I, what I see, but I will try and find ways of linking the two. Not dismiss what's beyond my mind, but actually open my mind to try and understand what is going on. An open mind will look at the story of Jesus' resurrection, the road to Emmaus, and say, is there a dimension of reality beyond the limits of what I know on the basis of my experience and my scientific worldview? Is there a dimension that makes sense of this story of a well-known person whose friends don't recognise him and who appears and disappears at a moment's notice? Is there a reality behind this of which I am unaware that offers a good reason for the record we have of this event? Our problem, actually, is that sometimes we just like rational explanations. It's part of the way we're wired at the moment in this Western culture. If everything is rational, everything is explicable, everything is predictable, and we are left feeling safe and secure in our ability to predict things, understand them, and take steps to ensure that nothing irrational intrudes to rock the boat. And yet sometimes... Every so often, that is precisely what God does. He rocks the boat. Just occasionally, the ultimate reality that is beyond our rational knowledge and understanding does something unpredictable, something we just don't understand or comprehend. And that presents us with a choice. Do we dismiss it because we don't understand it and say it can't be real because we don't understand it? Or do we give that discrepancy some space in our mental universe and reckon with the possibility that our understanding of reality actually may not be 100% complete? And it's those anomalies, those inexplicable events, those things we don't understand that point to the ultimate reality behind everything, that is God. And if we're prepared to do that, where do we go from here? How do we keep an open mind when it comes to the business of the resurrection of Jesus? Luke gives us two clues. Number one, he says that Jesus taught the two disciples from the Scriptures everything concerning himself. How it was predicted that the Christ would have to suffer and then enter his glory. Reading the Scriptures with an open mind is a good place to start. I love the clip that David showed us, the BBC adaptation of of The Road to Emmaus. I thought it portrayed it very effectively. If I was peeved, it's when Jesus, the Christ figure, says, Isaiah prophesied that the Son of God would come to earth and know human death at the hands of men. Only Isaiah had put it that clearly. It would be a lot simpler. But he did predict that a young maiden would conceive and give birth to a son who would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And he also talked about the Lord's servant who would suffer and die and afterwards see the light. All of which does make sense in the light of the birth and death and resurrection of Jesus. So if you want to have an open mind about the ultimate reality that is God, put that into practice by reading the Scriptures with an open mind. You could start with one of the Gospels, maybe even the Gospel of Luke, that the first couple of chapters might be heavy going. But read it. And ask yourself, If there is a God out there, if God is the ultimate reality, is it possible that he's made himself known to us through this man, Jesus? Can Jesus put me in touch with that ultimate reality that people refer to as God? Can that change my understanding and expand the limits of my mind? And if you encounter anything of Jesus in the pages of Scripture, you will know it because you will feel your heart burn within you as those two disciples did when Jesus explained the Scriptures about himself to them on the road to Emmaus. Wow! The Holy Spirit has the power to say, this actually is real. It's true. An open mind is one thing and it's a good thing. An open heart is another. The two disciples went back and told the others how Jesus had become known to them in the breaking of the bread. And for the early Christians, when they met together, they broke bread together. It was a regular feature of their gatherings. They met, they shared food, what we would call sharing communion. And they reminisced about Jesus, the things he'd done and said. And when they did that, when they met together and they talked together and they broke bread together, they knew the reality of the presence of the risen Lord amongst them. Now, a sceptic might be inclined to dismiss that as wishful thinking or maybe even some kind of brainwashing. Yet Jesus said, where where two or three people gather in my name, I will be there in the midst. Where two or three hundred gather, he's present with us here this morning. So again, I'd say if you want to expand your horizons, go to church. Experience the worship And consider what the reality is that makes all these people who are Christians tick. Have the understanding up here of what is going on. But know here in their heart as well that Jesus is alive. You can meet Jesus for yourself in this place with these people on any Sunday morning or evening. And I'm not talking about understanding something about Jesus at a rational level. I'm saying you can know him at a personal level. Know him for yourself as your Lord, your Saviour, your God. Believing in him in terms of understanding something about him, believing in him in terms of putting your trust in him, and knowing that he is real, he died for you, he rose again for you, and he puts you in touch with the ultimate reality that is God. But a word of warning, even if you become aware of Jesus, even if you read these stories and think, yeah, there's definitely something here, you will never fully comprehend or understand him. But that's okay. Because you don't need to understand Jesus fully to trust him completely. In a way that does defy rational explanation, actually, the risen Jesus does have the power to enter our lives Make his presence known in our hearts. Turn our lives around and give us a hope that extends beyond this life into the life to come. That's something none of us can ever fully understand until we get there. But even if you can't understand it or comprehend it, it's still real. Let's pray.